Chinese TV drama. Why is it so bad? Avenue X, the host of my favorite English language YouTube channel discussing the genre, comes on to discuss. We talk about the deeper industry and regulatory forces dragging down the quality of Chinese TV, as well as highlight a few of the bright shots of good shows in an otherwise bleak TV ecosystem. I'm Jordan Schneider, the host of the China Talk podcast, tech analyst at the Rhodium Group, and a fellow at CNAS. The views expressed here are my own and do not reflect any of my affiliated organizations. Co-hosting is Ina Yang, who hosts Loud Murmurs, a Chinese-language pop culture podcast. Ina and Avenue X, welcome to China Talk. Hey guys. Hello. Avenue X, could you start um, by talking a little bit about your personal background in the industry and what led you to start the channel? Okay. I started a YouTube channel reviewing Chinese drama back in 2017. I used to work in Chinese drama and film back in the 2000s. I did major in film and television production. And after that, I spent quite a few years, mostly in Beijing, the capital, working on different productions, dramas, films. So I have some first-hand experience working in the industry, but it was uh, before now because it has changed a lot. The drama filmmaking industry changed quite a lot during the last five years. You mentioned Avenue X that the past five years have been a real sea change in terms of the industry. What are the major dynamics going on that have changed it from the world that you worked in? When I was there, there was no social media presence in pretty much anything. Now it's a major thing. When I was working in the industry, the distribution channel are still mostly television stations. So you have production companies making dramas and they sell that to different satellite television stations. And that was the usual way of how things get done. But then internet platforms start to grow in the 2010s. And it was really in the last, I'd say five years, things start to get really shifting. And now most of the satellite televisions are not the first considerations for a lot of dramas when they make that they would first make deals with the internet platforms, the streaming platforms. In China, there are three big one plus one that's a little bit different. So in a way, when drama first started to go to the web world, people thought it's diversifying the different ways of consumer, right, being able to watch content. But now it has actually become more monopolized because there are only three or four platforms. Whereas previously, there are about nine major satellite television stations that are provincial level in China. Now it's less because of the monopoly of the internet platforms. So it's very different now. So to that, in in terms of a content perspective, like that leads to more homogenization and less creative risks that Hunan television versus Beijing television, because there are more of them, there may be some one yeah. in some bureaucracy willing to take more of a chance. Not just that, it's also because those big like internet platforms, they are mostly like they, some of them, for example, IT ha, has more of a state kind of background behind it, but some of them are very commercial. So it becomes that the, what the money decides and the money decides what gets made and what doesn't. So, yeah. And, and how does that compare to the, the, the prior era? It definitely impact the diversity of what can get made but also it's not 100% just because of the platforms it's also unfortunately during the last five years starting probably five years ago even more I'd say in the 2014-15 
That was a time when a lot of money, capital, rushed into、uh, drama making industry in China, and they came from all kinds of background. The money that basically is treating the market as any other market. It's just money. It became very business like, and it's very investment like. I want to return, right? Whatever sells,、uh, that whatever gets the most click, gets made. Um, and it really messed up a lot of the industry's tradition and its standard and how things used to be done, as opposed to afterwards. Idol actors and IP buying all kind of happened, probably, I say from fourteen onwards. Do you think that just greatly diluted the quality、uh, in terms of the drama? Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's not like a secret. Everybody who works in the industry in China agrees that. It's the case. Particularly, scriptwriting quality has just plummeted. <laughs> the like Game of Thrones last season kind of dive. Yeah. So, what why does scriptwriting, in particular, fall off in 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 this paradigm? Because the story becomes something that's least important in the whole game. The game is first getting the most popular actor, actress, idols, whoever. Who has a huge fandom? Who would go on the internet and buy stuff regardless? That's starring their idols, and then the investors because they are from from outside of the industry. They don't really know how it works, like visual storytelling this type of thing. They would just want to say, okay, when I invest this much money, I want to guarantee that I'm gonna get money back. So I look at data. I look at numbers. I look at social media. I look at who is the most popular person, whose fans has the biggest buying power, all that, and they use that to influence what gets written. And unfortunately, in China, it got to the point where scriptwriters are the lowest of the lowest in the pecking order of a production. Everybody can say something about. I want you to change this, change that. Right? The director says this. Producer says this. The investor who. Who has no idea about <laughs> how to make dramas? They just they just tell you I want this because the data says if you do this, it's gonna sell more. So, but I am、yeah. curious. A lot of these shows we often see on Douban, for example, where people leave reviews. A lot of these big IP、mm-hmm. shows that used to the plot came from internet novels, almost like fanfics, essentially paired with a super popular、yeah. idol.、Mm-hmm. But the acting is horrible, the script writing is horrible, and the show gets two or three out of ten rating on like a popular review site.、Mm-hmm. Do you think investors、mm-hmm. just Do not care、yeah. about that in terms of the audience response. If they make money, they probably don't care because some of those very low scoring stuff also pull in quite a lot of money. The platforms knows because this face right will sell, then they will buy. So the copyright first is like a huge amount of money that covers the cost probably, and then once it goes online, if the click rate is really high, there's a lot of advertising money that would be the sort of second wave of money. So. If they make money, they don't care. Like it could be a two point five score drama, but if it makes money, it's good in investors' eyes. Is there any sense though of learning and progress from this era? There have been in the past few years、yeah. a handful、mm-hmm. of shows that don't really have big stars being extraordinarily popular and having critical、mm-hmm. acclaim. Definitely a sort of. Intentional sort of change also within the industry itself, trying to self-correct. Pretty much from 2018, the second half, from that point on to now, as things started to change. So, 
the the crazy time of all the money rushed into this industry was about from fourteen to seventeen, I would say during those years, and afterwards starts to cool off. And really, from twenty eighteen, there's、um, a lot of money start to pull out. No longer getting so crazy about this, and then twenty nineteen is even like more obvious, and then it runs into the seventy anniversary, right, of the the founding of the country. So a lot of the dramas get restricted. There was this policy that they want to air and put more dramas that are focusing on the last seventy years instead instead of made up fictions of like ancient gods. So twenty nineteen was a huge restriction year for a lot of dramas. And things started to cool down, but a lot of dramas you see now was made right even before that or around that time. So you still take probably still need a year or two to air all the stuff that's been piled up in the last couple of years. So in terms of the relative prestige、mm-hmm. of movies versus television、mm-hmm. for leading actors and actresses, like in the U.S., where the line and directors as well, like、mm-hmm. the line is really. Blurring, but where, where do you think that that balances in in China right now? It's blurring too. I think it it happens sometimes. Things just same thing happen in different ways, but it happens at the same time. Like web drama used to be something when it first started is something like nobody cares to do. It's oh, it's like internet web thing. Like oh, it's so like. Done by people who are not professionals. Now it's all done by the top top drama makers in China. But a lot of those drama makers are also like also filmmakers. It's like the line is just more and more blurry, and there's hardly anybody who is like pure film people, directors, cinematographer, actors. Most of them would have something to do with dramas. Exclusive film people are very few now. So is is your sense doing some like another sort of West China comparison that like the power of Youku and Tungxun and ITE versus the likes of Netflix and HBO and Disney Plus?、Mm-hmm. There's still a ways to go in the West for the consolidation to happen to the extent that like three companies are deciding everything. No, but Chinese dramas is so different from the U.S. because in the States, pretty much it's the scriptwriter centered production. Like the whole industry works around the show creator. Sometimes it's the creator actually writing it. Sometimes they're more like a producer. But mostly you have like very good drama makers who have their project, and then they go out right and look for say if they go to Fox or whatever or like Netflix or whatever. So the the creator themselves have a lot of power in a story. Whereas in China, scriptwriters are like the least to be concerned in the whole thing. They are often more we call xiangshou. Which is the you're just a pen, you're just sitting there and type it out. That's your job. But in terms of how it works, everybody can manipulate and have have something to do with it. And you have very little power in terms of what eventually gets filmed. And it happens very often that it's you have your script down and it's all you know good, and it goes into production. And during the production, the lead ca- actor or actress may be very. Powerful people, like they have their own team of scriptwriters that comes in and change what you've written, and then adding new pages and taking it out on set or write it so that you film it next day. And so eventually, what end up like in the camera is it might be something that's so different from what the writer has written. And it's very unfortunate, but it happens. Yeah, I remember、often. reading news about some famous idol type, idol turned. 
actor where he brought his own yeah. team and they wanted to give him more FaceTime essentially in a certain scene. So he had his own writers add in yeah. additional scenes. Yeah, it's actually not not unusual that happens. Like the bigger, so the more IP like or more idol centered the drama is. The more likely that this right. happens, and I do think to your point about how in the West it's more the show creator, the content creators based production versus in、mm-hmm. China it's more the content is the last consideration. I think I have definitely noticed that, especially when you think about oftentimes in the past couple of years, more and more shows that brand themselves as professional shows about careers. But at the end of the day, there's always、mm-hmm. romance thrown in if it's about a female lead. It's they're so bad. I mean, professional shows are the worst. <laughs> yeah, they're never from Chinese dramaland because, like, it's basically doctors, lawyers, teach like whatever, falling love. Like the falling love part is the important part. What they do not matter exactly. Like in the <laughs> marketing、all. of the show, they'll say, "Oh, lawyer, top lawyer." They'll use all of those buzzwords, but if you actually watch the show, it's about them falling in love and. Getting over themselves and picking <laughs> romance over career, so I feel like that narrative has definitely regressed in terms of leads. Even though you see more and more of them, their prominence within a show seems to be trending downwards. It, it is. <laughs> you observe correctly, and I think most of the drama watchers in China also are pretty. <laughs> like we we read about that all the time among all the drama reviewers. Like in hours of group chat, it's like pretty much everybody would agree on every drama. There's hardly anything. I really like this. I think this is great, and then the other people think it's crap. Happen among the drama reviewers. We pretty much are always, you know, on the same pages. Yeah, this is another crappy drama. <laughs> so the like the median show quality is like far lower than what you could expect to come out of a an AMC or a sort of scripted Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ch- Chinese drama is honestly, if you're looking at the storytelling quality, right? We're not saying you have to have the best CG or best like expensive stuff. Just the story itself, how it's written, it's really it doesn't even compare to Korean dramas. My honest opinion: dramas produced in mainland. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to compare any Chinese dramas to <clears throat> the really good works, right? The other、um, countries do. It's just. <laughs> Let's be honest. Do you have a sense of what's healthier about the other large Asian markets and their sort of drama ecosystems? Korean dramas is also writer centered. It's also very much writer centered, and often it's female writer for Korean drama land. A lot of very famous female scriptwriters, and they have the biggest say in the whole thing. And then most dramas in Korean, I think,、uh, in Korean dramas are mostly made as as it goes, pretty much like U.S. television series. You have a season, right? You fill a couple of episodes, and then you keep filming as it's on air. Yeah, so they have that system, whereas China. Because of censorship, it has to be filmed, and then edited and done, and then go out as a whole thing. Why is it helpful doing season by season? If you're doing season by season, like in one thing is you can immediately adjust, right? If you get the response from the、uh, audiences, and there's something that needs to tweaking, and you can work on that later for the later episodes. It happens like all the time. For Korean dramas and the U.S. dramas, but for Chinese dramas, it's impossible. So basically, when it's done, yeah, 
I, I don't think there is really a superior one. Like both have their good and bad. Some sometimes being able to finish the whole thing is actually in one go is probably more preferred than as you're airing, you are filming it. I remember this one exceptional case, which is really funny. A couple of years ago, there's a Korean drama, The Descendant of the Sun. You yes, guys probably know. It. Led by the two Song, right? Two Song actress and actor. Korean dramas are usually made as it goes. So a couple of episodes air and then we see response and we keep making. But because they were selling to China also, because that drama is under contract to sell to China. And China's censorship rule is, I have to see the whole thing. You have to finish the drama, give it to me. I will look at it. If it's okay, then we air it. And because they really want to sell to China, there's a lot of money in that. It forced the Korean drama to get filmed in one go before it aired. So it's really weird. It's like China's way of drama airing, forcing the Korean drama, changing how it's usually done in its process. So it's just for China, Chinese dramas, it cannot happen. Like a couple of episodes doesn't work like that. It has to be done. So I, I want to bring the discussion to two shows this year, which I thought were exceptions to the general negativity that we've talked about for the past 25 minutes. Achi in particular has this new sort of mini series and two shows which were adapted from novels, Yin Mi the Jiao and Chen Mo the Zhen Xiang, The Bad Kids, and what's the other one in English? Long Night. <laughs> the Long Night are... For my money, the two best sort of mm. yeah, contemporary. Yeah, I would agree. They are my like, top two shows. too for last year. Sure. So Avenue X, I'm curious if you could talk about you know how shows like that first give a quick intro on what they are. How shows like that were able to get past the constraints and limiting factors that weigh down other shows. So Avenue X, how did these miracles get uh, get birthed in the first place? From what I can tell is, first, it's two dramas written by the same person, based on the same person's two different novels, and he's famous for writing crime, and sometimes a little bit detective work, but mostly crime thriller type of novel. And these two books are his kind of bestsellers, and both got adapted into the mini series 12 episodes each and both uh, are done by the platform ITE and they both belong to the same kind of mm, draw, uh, thriller crime drama and what they call light on it's a category of dramas that they're trying to put out every year from now on so 2020 is their first year and it's made up with six I think different short crime dramas and one of them didn't air, so they, it will go on air this year. Uh, so those two are part of that whole big plan for this platform. And from what I heard, to make those two dramas, particularly The Long Night, it has a lot to do with one of the producers, and I think his she is also a very important member of ITE picking the script, wanting that thing to get adapted, and then is pretty much the producer of this thing, being able to put together a team to convince the people that she thinks are perfect for this job and put it together, get it made. In a sense, like when you see a very successful production like this, it has to first have a platform that's willing to take on um, this type of content. And then the person who is in the very important position who wants to really go 
very far to get something made. And also just because the platforms have a little bit different positioning among them. So ITE, they want to try everything for the first time. So they want to come up with the most innovative and daring ideas. And then they go ahead and get it made. And whether they succeed or not, it's just their luck. So for example, those two dramas would be their very daring project of last year and both got really good response. So they won at this round. And if you look at Tencent, it's a totally different way. So Tencent goes for the stream of buying the popular IP that's on the girls and boys type of web novel sites. That And then they grab a lot of the idols because they have a lot of idols on their hand. And then just put out a lot of those IP-based fantasy or romance, that type of drama, and see what sticks. And they have a lot of money. So Tencent goes for that route. And Yoku is, recently, couple of years, is really falling behind in terms of everything, performance. But they are also trying to put out crime dramas or even sci-fi of that type, but they haven't done really well. And the Mango is the fourth one, but Mango is because it's connected to Hunan Television. So Mango is the only one that's actually getting a profit at the end of every year. Whereas the other three are just bleeding money continuously since day one, even till now, they're still losing money every year. So coming back to The Long Night mm-hmm. and The Bad Kids, can you talk about the, the challenges that those shows had in dealing with more sensitive content and how you can even, within the show itself, see some of the sort of negotiations that they had to do to, to make sure that the show was safe for TV? I, I wouldn't say it's always just about censorship. Sometimes the content that you've written in, in, in text, right, doesn't quite work well if you put it on screen. And there is... I think both novels got, it didn't fully get visualized. They have a level of softened quality in terms of characters and how crazy the plot is uh, versus the drama version. But I think for most part, I understand because I wouldn't think if they actually follow the book to the T and everything is exactly as it's written, it would be better. It might actually be too much for some people to watch. Therefore, people would run away from it. They wouldn't want to really continue watching it because some of the content is pretty extreme. So it may not actually have, it's all to do with censorship. It may just to do with the creative decision. Okay, this plot is pushing it too far. Like (laughs) whether it's censorship or not, people may not want it. And then the censorship thing, like you've mentioned, The Long Night definitely has a lot of editing work that you can tell that they've dubbed the lines, changed the little details and stuff. And that definitely happens with once the drama's first cut is done, goes to censorship, and then there will be notes coming back and say, you have to change this, this cannot happen like that, that cannot happen like that. And then they have to figure out how to do the magic in post-production to make it work. And I've heard this drama did go through a couple of re-edits and change to be able to eventually come out as the version it is. And yeah, censorship is just all the dramas that's made, as long as it's not by, made by CCTV, which is China Central, the television, their television department, they can do their own television series that doesn't need to go through the national radio and television administration because they are actually the same level <laughs> organization in China. So. One cannot go over the other. They're like leveled. 
apart from the CCTV made dramas, every other dramas plus variety shows have to go through the national radio and television administration, and so they would look at the stuff and say what needs to be changed. And in terms of like why something gets changed or something has to be censored, there is no clear book out there. It's three hundred page book about this cannot happen, that cannot happen, this has to change. There's nothing like that. It doesn't get listed anywhere. It's like a guess game, in a way. Like you have to guess what may be problematic to censorship, and then also the people who have worked in this for a long time, they would have a good idea about what might be problematic, and then so dramas do that. And also in China, dramas don't actually have to submit the whole thing at the beginning. They would go and apply for a license, within which they would tell. The NRTA, how many episodes we're making, what type of drama it is, and what's the rough synopsis, and then、uh, the company that's making it, and they will file it. And after filing, they'll give you a license to go and film it. So once you've filmed that, done that, and then you submit the final thing, and then they censor it. So it doesn't have that. I think you've mentioned about why can't they right write the script first, get censored, and then go and film it because it doesn't work in that way. It's a really interesting point you made because this is a a question and certainly in front and center in the mind of a YouTuber covering Chinese drama in English is to what extent are these shows resonating with foreign audiences?、Mm-hmm. And the point you made about how it's not just the censorship and the topic choice; it's also like the audience that they're catering for,、mm-hmm. and maybe Western. Viewers are more comfortable just with darker themes in general. So, what could you walk us through Avenue X? Some of the sort of differences in audience tastes that you've maybe thought about or observed over time. For Chinese dramas, most viewers are female, majority, overwhelming majority.、Uh, I don't know if there is a very reliable number, but it's definitely more than fifty-fifty. It's seventy to thirty, probably in that range. And so, for drama viewers, mostly、uh, are female, and even like for the traditional television watching, watching like grandmothers and grandpa, usually it's the grandma at home who has the control of the remote. <laughs> it's just, it's just the situation is pretty much like that. And then for the young people, these days young people mostly watch dramas online on their iPad, on their computer, on the internet platforms, and then that is definitely majority female. Because guys, there's this chain of discrimination in China, which is if you watch anything, right, the coolest thing you watch is still pretty much U.S. or U.K. shows, shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Sherlock. You know, that's like the t- top tier dramas, and then it goes down. So when it gets to Chinese mainland production dramas, within the young people's mind, it's like at the bottom. Right, so a lot of people would just pride themselves with like, wait, I don't watch Chinese dramas; <laughs> they're all crap.、Yeah. So a lot of guys are like that too. And then again, a lot of young men are they spend their time on gaming. <laughs> so it results in most of the viewers are female, especially young ones watching it online. So that will actually definitely affect what gets made in the drama in the first place. If you look at IPs, right, they're very much catered to female audience. Yeah, I think especially the internet IP, like the internet novel turned IPs. Many of them, whether they are set, whether、mm-hmm. they are 
period dramas or fantasy or sci-fi a lot of times is lots of rom-com i remember there was a genre ip turn tv shows that was very popular i think towards the end of the last year where it was I think it was just pure rom-com. It was the 霸道总裁 type where you have this very masculine male lead coming in who's probably older, very successful, and coming in and falling mm-hmm. in love with this young, innocent yeah. woman. And it's just a lot of stereotypical tropes. And yeah. I wonder, perhaps, the overabundance. Mm-hmm. It has its own genre, probably like over... 10,000 novels like easily in China. I think that probably has yeah. to, the overabundance of these types of shows probably have to do with how it's a more a majority female audience watching these shows. Avenue X, what would your top three shows be for the uninitiated trying to get their first taste of what mainland drama looks like? Yeah, it's almost like asking me what's my favorite, which is really hard. <laughs> um, I would always say um, like the easiest thing to talk about probably is the Nivardian Fire series. There are two. The first one is like the most famous one. The second one, really good. I prefer it, but most because of all kinds of reasons, it didn't get as popular. So the English translation is Nivarna in Fire, and Chinese name is Langyabang. It was filmed in 2014, came out in 2015. And when it came out that year, it was huge. And it's a period drama, it's a costume drama, and it's not really based on any real history. It is based on an IP novel that was a first uh, internet novel, web novel. But the novel was really popular, and they adapted it very well. It's like one of the best adaptations that you can possibly do to the original work, and kind of made it even better. And then with a really good production company that is sort of old school, um, the, the story of the company is really interesting, but it's not just any other drama-making company. It's a company that comes from a, actually a state-owned old television station kind of company. So all the people, the directors, the crew working there are really good professional people who know how to tell good stories. So because of all those things put together, it became a really successful project. So it has everything in it. So if you've never watched Chinese drama, it's a special thing because it's costume. It contains uh, the wuxia element of it, but it's essentially still a political drama. It's a revenge story, but then that includes a lot of elements and it's really well made. It's quite exciting to watch. So I always would say it's one of the things that would, on my top, introduce to people who haven't watch but then the thing is if you watch a drama it's very hard to find another drama it's as satisfying so it's destroyed your future experiences at the same time you, you want to pick one modern one too or one set in modern times yeah the modern times ones are are more difficult to talk about i i'd say because a lot of contemporary dramas is actually the weaker things of chinese drama land especially in recent years because very old dramas some very old dramas are quite good but they're oh you can't find any copies online that's hd or that's subbed so you can't watch it the ones that is close enough probably last year's two dramas that's on your list the the long night and the bad kids they're good so if you watch that that kind of also represents the top standard of contemporary dramas i watched day and night by last year i know it came okay. out i yeah. think in 2017 ish and i really loved it i watched it yeah. on netflix they have english and chinese subtitles um it was 
Yeah, that one I really enjoyed. Um, and I know there's a similar kind of like a sister mm-hmm. TV show to it. I think it's Wu Zheng Zhizui, but I'm not sure the English name for that. Yeah, Wu Zheng Zhizui, Burning Ice. It's also from the writer who wrote The Long Night and The Bad Kids. He's the luckiest novel writer in China because all his works, like the most well-known ones, got adapted to like, I think all... The, the Burning Eyes is about 8 point something in score on Douban. And the like other nine. two are yeah, like they're around 9. TV shows. Yeah. And it's not so. too long either. Because I always remember whenever I watched, mm. at least whenever I go home and I watch TV with my parents, you you know turn on the TV and whatever drama is running is <laughs> like 50 episodes. And that just feels so daunting. <laughs> but these web-based TV shows, they're mm-hmm. usually between 10 to 20 episodes, and they're a lot more digestible. Mm-hmm. Ina, you want to make the case for your favorite Taiwanese show of 2020? Uh, yes, I have been recommending this to so many people. It's called Xiangjianni. The English one is, the English name is Someday One Day. It is a time travel murder mystery rom-com all together. It transitions seamlessly between all of the different <laughs> genres. I think it's only 12 episodes, so it won't take up too much of your time if you just watch it all in one setting. I think what's amazing about it is growing up watching Taiwanese dramas in you know elementary school and middle school, I always had the stereotypical idea that it was all very dramatic romance stories. And sometimes they would be too cheesy, but I think that was more just evidence of the time rather than Taiwanese TV production in general. I think this one really, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't too cheesy. Everything about it was perfect. And I loved how all of these different elements came in together seamlessly in the show. I watched it with my partner who does not like rom-com, and he was very intrigued by the you know, time traveling parts of it. And also the whole logic is very tight. There's no loopholes or anything, at least none that we could find. I loved the murder mystery part of it because I love thriller and also the romantic aspect of it. I definitely teared up watching the TV show. So I think that was also just a very and well-produced TV show. Uh, Any closing words, Avenue X? Any closing words? I don't have any particular closing words. I I am drenched in Chinese dramas. I literally have it running all the time at at home because there's so many Chinese dramas. If there's one thing, right, I would really hope Chinese drama does is like in the future, just limit how long a drama can be for like real. Like you cannot go over this cap number no matter what. It's too much. Like the current Zhang Ziyi drama. It's initially 80 episodes, and they cut it down to 68, which is still too much. And they take three episodes to do one thing, which can be done in literally like half an episode. If you, I mean, just write it like a film. It's okay. There's no information loss in that process. Why do you have to stretch it out so much? Do, do you want to talk a little bit about that 2x button that now is in oh, the yeah. corner when you open up IT? You know what? Mo- all the drama, like even YouTube has 2x, but all yeah. the things, all the platforms have that. But if you use the app version on your iPad, right, it has three times speed. So it has something more than that. So on the desktop, there is no three times speed choice on your web browser. But the app version, you can just you can hold on Aichi and Youku. Tencent doesn't have it. But if you just press your finger on the screen and not lift it up, it will start to run at three. So you can watch a scene and then, okay, this part is getting boring. Press it <laughs> and then it just goes three speed and then you stop. 
You lift your finger, it goes back to normal. They can do that now. I have a special hack for both of you. On a, there's a Chrome add-on、mm-hmm. called like Speed Controller,、right. I think, and it maps that to DNF. And you can crank it up to five. You can crank it up to six when there's something really boring going on. And trimming down an hour-long episode, it's not like you're watching the good parts at speed,、mm-hmm, right?、Mm-hmm. It's just the the 90-second pull-out shot of the city or whatever, or the song which goes on for four minutes.、Um, <laughs> we're all gonna die one day, and I'd rather have those minutes back to me. So until these dramas get their act together,、right. I have no qualms with taking advantage of what modern technology gives us in terms of. Of speeding up the、uh, content we're yeah, when you speed up, it means the drama has problems. Like in a script writing class, they will tell you if the audience now gets bored, that means you've done something wrong in your writing. You need to go and fix it. And if it's a really well written drama, even when it's a cutaway, you will not speed it because. It's useful and meaningful to you. I mean, there are dramas in Chinese drama that you watch and you don't speed, but very rare. <laughs> Honestly, very rare these days. But there are still. China Talk audience, I, I, you know, will not forgive you for listening to me on Two X, but everything else on television is is perfectly fine. Avenue X and Ina Yang, Thank thanks so much for coming on China Talk. Thank you. Since we recorded this, I wanted to give a shout out to Shanghai Ching, or a 23-episode series looking at an anti-poverty effort in a rural village back in the 1990s, taking the story up to the present. It has fantastic acting and screenwriting, and the propaganda does not overwhelm the story. Full English subs are also on YouTube. Links in the show notes.
Please help Please me. Help me. Wabba la ba da da. Wabba la ba da.